Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, nice to meet you. Are you nice to meet me? Is it nice to meet me? So what do we mean when we say nice to meet you? We mean nothing. We're just trying to get out of there, right? That's all we're doing. It's got to mean something more than just courtesy. There's a reason it's nice to meet you. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. Let's give them a reason to say, nice to meet you. Okay, so if you got a Bible, I want you to go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. And while you're turning there, let me welcome those who are streaming. It's so good to know that you're, uh, you're with us. I, I got some great uh, messages from the first service of those streaming and, and those watching uh, television right now with TV 45. It's great to have you. And what a partner and what a great friend we have there. I just, um, I just want you to, to be encouraged. I, you know, I don't know how many, are, are you Olympic fans? Are y'all watching Olympics? Are you getting, yeah, I'm just an Olympics junkie. I'm, I'm, I'm watching sports. I don't even know what it is. I don't know how they do it, but I'm seeing some that absolutely I love. I told somebody, if I could come back and play any sport and be really good, I would come back and be on the USA men's volleyball team. Those guys are unbelievable. Number one, they can jump. I never could jump like that. And I just watch them as they pound that ball. It brings me back to places in Baptist churches where we had a little volleyball game after the service. It would definitely have been a lot better if I could play like them. But it's a great time to be watching and just seeing. Now, it's a difficult time because it's COVID. It's not normal, right? There's nothing that's been normal about what we've been through. But guys, this is our best time. This is when the church ought to shine. This is when we ought to stand out from everybody else. Why? Because we have hope. Our lives are different. You're not going to discourage us and turn us into a bunch of whiners just because we have a culture around us and things around us that aren't good. No. This is the best time for people to learn to say, nice to meet you, because there's a reason. And we're going to learn about that reason today. Next week, we're going to walk with Jesus when he encounters a woman at the well in Samaria. And he gives us this great God how to engage in a conversation so that people will listen and people can understand our hope. And then the last uh, week of the three weeks, we're going to be talking about those unexpected moments when somebody shows up and you weren't planning on it. And we're going to see how to handle that kind of moment. But this morning, 1 Peter, one of my favorite people in all the Bible, Simon Peter. And Simon Peter wrote this, most likely in the year 63 A.D. Okay, remember that, 63 A.D. Then Simon Peter was crucified, 64 A.D. So when you read what we're about to read, don't think he's writing to his fan club 
and to people all around them who loved the church and loved Christians. Nope. It won't be long before they lit the streets of Rome with burning bodies of Christians. And it's going to be interesting to hear what Simon Peter says about how we ought to live in that kind of a world. So think about it. You've got people around you that are hostile to you because you're a Christian. You've got people at work that don't want to listen to you. You've got all kinds of things happening, and you wonder, how in the world can I get their attention? How can I get a witness? How, how, can, how do I have the opportunity? I want you to listen to what Simon Peter says because he's got a great idea. Before we start reading, you know it's been my goal to go back to Israel. I don't know why, during my year of surgeries, I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it, and God put it on my heart. So as, as if the Lord wills, we're planning a trip next year. If you have any interest, Danny is meeting uh, with those who are interested just to find out more information after the service. So all you got to do, go up on the uh, second level of Welcome Centers B and Welcome Center A. There'll be someone to direct you. Just so remember that if you have any interest in finding out more about that. Now, let's look at what Simon Peter said. I'm in chapter, one, uh, chapter uh, 3, 1 Peter. He wrote two letters. These are the last things he wrote literally within a year of his death. Let's jump in. 1 Peter chapter 3, I'm in verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. Don't be afraid of them or troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason to, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. God help us to live that way. So I want you to, I want you to remember three simple things. Okay, very simple. First one, don't be afraid. No matter what it looks like out there, no matter what they do, no matter those people you're trying to engage, don't be afraid. Remember in your heart the Lord. It's a great way he says it. He starts it just by simply saying, hey, always in your heart, don't be afraid of them, but in your heart honor Christ the Lord as holy. Now what does that mean? It means in your heart, determine Jesus Christ is Lord. He's in control. I don't have to worry about anything. He's got me. Did you know that's actually a quote from Isaiah chapter 8? When Judah was being attacked on every side, God spoke to the prophet, and he basically said, don't worry. I got you. I can handle this. By the way, the word holy means no one like you. So when you remember the Lord is holy, that means you remember him as in control and there's nobody like him. So you're in the palm of his hand. You have nothing to worry about. As long as you keep him the throne of your life and the center of your life, then you have the peace that comes with that. By the way, I heard a, a new way to remember the word fear is if we needed a way to remember the word fear. The letters, F-E-A-R, they mean 
false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. I'll tell you what isn't false. Jesus is Lord. And I'll tell you what's real. Jesus is Lord. So the first thing, don't worry. It doesn't matter what's happening out there. It doesn't matter what's happening in, in your office, in the culture around you, in your neighborhood. Jesus is Lord. Number two, be ready. Be ready to share why you have hope. Be ready to share why you have hope. Now, this is assuming you're living a life that's different. Because Simon Peter is saying, hey, live in such a way that when they ask you, then you're ready to tell them why you have hope. You see, we shouldn't live like everyone else. And the difference is there's something we have that matters. Francis Chan, in his book, Crazy Love says, something is wrong when our lives make sense to unbelievers. Now, you know what he means by that? We aren't normal. If you're a Christian, you're not normal. In fact, look at the person on your right and say, you're not normal. I'm sure they appreciated that. You're not normal. And, and what he's saying is when you are a follower of Jesus, there's going to be something different about you. And when they see that, especially in a time like this, in a time where everybody is wringing their hands and they're crying out and they're anxious and don't know what to do, and they look at you and they're like, what? how come you're not freaking out? What's wrong with you? Then be ready to tell them. And when that right opportunity comes, they're going to ask you. That's what Simon Peter says. They're going to ask you. They're going to ask you, and you get to tell them, well, let, let me tell you what, why I live this way, why I think this way. Now, I, I got, a, I got a, a suspicion that there's more people watching us than we realize. And I don't mean those that are streaming or watching on television anymore. I mean people watching us. And they're watching when you go through a hard time. <clears throat> when you go through a health crisis or you go through a job situation, there's people watching you. You know why? Because they want to see how Christians handle that. They want to know how somebody who has a belief in God and who thinks Jesus is Lord. Okay, now what are you going to do now? Where's your Jesus now? Let's show them where he is. Let's live in such a way that when they ask, I got I to brag on my wife. Um, as I was reading this passage, I just kept thinking about the example she was. Some of you have been so kind and gracious to, to me to say, man, you came through those surgeries and, and you did great and your faith is strong as ever. And, and, and yes, thank you, but you should meet my wife. You should see her. So, you know, when you're having surgery, if you're the one having surgery, it's, you just go to sleep. You're just having a good time, right? Am I right? It's the people waiting that are in that moment of anxiousness. And the surgeon, my heart surgeon, who has become very close friends with us, I talked to her this week, and she reminded me there was something different about Rachel. And she said there was something different about you as well, but she said, Rachel, when she would go into the waiting room to give the report, she said, Rachel wasn't normal. She said, very few times do we see people that handle things the way she was handling it. 
Because you know what she was doing while I was having surgery? Now, this is an eight-hour surgery. She was doodling. Now, you know what doodling is? It's not art. She wouldn't call herself an artist. Doodling is when you're just, you're just drawing. You're just doing something, you know, drawing something or whatever. Let me show you what she was doodling when I was having heart surgery for those eight hours. This is what she was doodling. And the surgeon saw it. And others in the waiting room saw it. She had a chance to minister to people in that waiting room. And then when I had brain surgery, doodling wasn't over. She had another chance to do it. Four hours of doodling, and then she did this with the song Waymaker. And so let me tell you what I believe. People were watching her. And the way she handled that moment was a beautiful witness for Jesus. I want us to live in such a way that people are going to come up and ask, okay, what's the deal? My heart surgeon asked us, can I come over, literally, can, we come have, can I come have dinner at your home? I just want to talk more to you guys. And I believe it all started with how Rachel handled that crisis. And I think there are people around you that would love to know. Give them a reason to ask. And when they ask, Okay, when they ask, tell them. Let me take you back to the text. He says, be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope in you. Make a defense. You know what that word defense is in the Greek? It is the word apologia. Apologia. By the way, it's the word we have in English, apologetics. It's not apology in the sense of, I had to apologize to somebody. You don't have to apologize for Jesus. But you should stand up for Jesus. You should represent Jesus. Now, he doesn't need you to save him. Okay? I know at times, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, whatever, Facebook, it looks like, you know, Jesus is being attacked and he's being maligned, maligned and all Yes, he is. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, somebody's got to come to, the, come to his rescue. Somebody's got to save him. No, no, no. You don't save Jesus. He saves you. Remember? But you can stand up for him. And you can represent. And so this word defend means you explain why you believe in Jesus. You explain why you have hope. And it's a beautiful moment, and I'll tell you why. It's your story. You just tell your story. A lot of people have used this verse to say that we ought to all study apologetics. I love apologetics. Apologetics is the study of the defense of the Christian faith. And you, you are trained how to defend the Christian faith against other thoughts, other religions, and other worldviews. It's great. But I don't want you to think that you have to be ready to answer those hard questions and you've got to be able to figure it all out and you've got to explain everything about Jesus. No. Tell your story. Tell your story. You see, they can't argue with that. Yeah, somebody's going to ask you, well, i got a question for you. Did Adam have a belly button? <laughs> I don't know. I had a guy one time, all he wanted to know was the wine fermented in the New Testament. Was it fermented? I just finally said, you know what, dude, I don't know. I don't know. I've studied the book. I have a PhD in New Testament. It doesn't matter. 
What I do know is the one who turned water into wine will change your life. I know that because he changed my life. So just stay with your story. No one can argue with that. And make it full of hope. Make it full of hope because you have hope. C.S. Lewis was asked the question, how come God allows the righteous to suffer? And I love his answer. His answer was, why not? They're the only ones who should be able to take it. You know why? Because we have Jesus. We have hope. And that hope has changed our life. And so now in a world of anxiety, you know, it's recognized, Psychology Today had this article, it's recognized as the number one health issue in the world is anxiety. And we have a Savior who said, don't be afraid and don't be anxious. So we have hope. And we can tell them about that hope. Even Paul said in Romans 15, one of my favorite little verses, may, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So tell them about it, okay? Don't be afraid. Be ready to tell them why you have hope, why you have that in you. And then the third thing, be gentle. Be gentle and be respectful. Now, this is the part where some of us, <laughs> we, we, we're lost here. We only know one way, and that's get a hammer. I mean, we know one way, and that's win the argument. Okay, let me please plead with you. God never called us to win an argument. He called us to make disciples. Can I say that again? God didn't call us to win an argument. He called us to make disciples. So you have to get out of your mind that, oh man, we're going we're gonna to win this fight. We're going to win this. I was reading an author who, who was talking about a, a Jehovah's Witness that came to the door, and he was ready, man. He had all the truth on his side. He was ready. When they got to the door, man, he just let them have it. And his kids were like, Dad, we're late. We're going to be late. And finally, he realized, I got to go. And he dismissed the person, jumps in the car, and his six-year-old daughter looks at him and says, Did you win? <laughs> what? We don't have to be that way. And let me tell you what Peter says. Be gentle. You know what the word gentle means? It's the Greek word for meek. Meek. Say this with me. Meekness is not weakness. Say it. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness doesn't mean you don't have truth on your side. No. Meekness means you've got it on your side and you are under the control of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So why should you be meek? Here's why you should be gentle. We're gentle because we care more about that person than we do winning this argument. We care more about them than we do winning this argument with them. So I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt them or that's going to alienate them or push them away. Why? Because my greatest concern is them. I'll be real honest with you. I'm not worried about winning an argument. 
Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. As far as I'm concerned, I don't need any more. He is the truth. He changed my life. I'll tell you what I tell every group of new worker, uh, LPD, whenever they re recruit and they have a new class of officers coming in, I get to share my testimony and I look at them and say, I'll be very respectful. We're going to give you a Bible. You can throw this Bible in the trash can when you leave if you'd like. That's your choice. But as for me, I have found the one who changed my life and I'll follow him forever. If you can find somebody better than Jesus, go follow them. As for me, I have only found one and his name is Jesus. And I will follow him always. And so I'm concerned about a person, not an argument. And so I'm going to be gentle and, and I'm going to do everything I can to be meek, to honor them because I care for them. The second thing, be respectful. Respectful means I want to hear what you have to say. Respectful means I, I want to hear you because you matter. In fact, do you know what the word for respectful in the text is? It's the word fear. I, it, it, that surprised me. I'll be honest. I, when I was doing the research, I'm like, why would it be fear? Because God wants us to approach a conversation with somebody with reverence, with awe, for two reasons. Number one, they are created in the image of God. I don't care how bad you think they are, how wrong they may be, they are created in the image of God, and he loves them. And so as you speak to them, be careful. Even the Romans? Yes, even the Romans. And I think it also means that that moment you have to talk to them is a holy moment because eternity is hanging in the balance in that moment. So be respectful. Because it's a special gift that God has given you. It's a special moment. So here we are. I want to be gentle. I want to be respectful. Why? Because I would love it whenever that conversation ends, they look at me and go, hey, it was nice to meet you. It was nice to meet you. And they say it because it really was nice to meet me. And he closes by saying, if you live this way, you're going to take away excuses for them to not believe. You're going to take away reasons for them to not believe, and you're going to give them a great reason to believe because of your conscience is going to be clean and clear. You, you will have given them a great example of what Christ is all about, and that's a good reason to believe. Now, here's what I want to remind you. We reflect him all, always. Everything you say to your neighbor, if they know you're a Christian, if they know you are a church person, but let's just say you're a Christian, they interpret Jesus through you. And I'll tell you what I'm worried about. My biggest concern, Gandhi. Gandhi once said it. He said, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. I think Gandhi was right. And I think we can change that. And I think for once we can give our world a picture of Jesus that is real and they will say, hey, it was nice to meet you. Do you know who wrote this book? What was his name? 
I said it three or four times. Simon Peter. Do you know who he was? Simon Peter, he was the guy that was like a sledgehammer. I mean, when you read about him in the Gospels, good night. There was nothing respectful about him. There was nothing gentle. When he first met Jesus, he told Jesus to leave. He told him to leave. Depart from me. I'm a sinful person. You don't want to hang out with me, Jesus. And then he was following Jesus after he said yes, and he's following Jesus. And Jesus talked about his suffering and what he had to do. And he looks at him and goes, no, 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 you don't have to do that. And Jesus turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. And then you remember, it was Simon Peter that in the garden, when they came to arrest Jesus, as they're coming to arrest him, Simon Peter meets the guards who are coming to get him, and he isn't gentle. Unless you call gentle pulling a sword out and cutting an ear off. He went to war. He went to fight. And then you remember when he was standing by the fire as Jesus was being tried by the, by the um, Jewish leaders. He was being tried, and it was a mockery. But he's standing over there by a fire, and a little girl looks up at Simon Peter and says, Don't you know him? Aren't you one of them? And this is a chance he could have been very gentle and said, Oh, honey, yes, I am. Thank you for noticing. What did he say? I don't know him. I don't know that guy. In fact, he even cussed just so she would know, I don't know this guy. So what happened to him? His life changed because he walked with Jesus and Jesus changed his life. And so what I'm saying today is there's a better way to let people know the hope that is with us. And there's a beautiful way to live so that when we leave them, they say, man, it was nice meeting you. Do you know how Simon Peter ended up dying? I think it was in the year 64, maybe a year after he wrote these words. He was crucified. The Romans crucified him. But now there's some tradition that says that when they went to crucify him on a cross, this is what he said, no. I do not deserve to be crucified the same way my Jesus was. And there's this tradition that he said, turn me upside down. And they turned him upside down and crucified him. Why? Humility. Meekness. You see, Simon Peter's life didn't end the way it started because Jesus changed him. And I just want us to live that way so that when we get to have those conversations about the hope within us, people will walk away going, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So let's pray for them. And let's pray for us. I don't even think we have to pray for them first. Let's pray for us. Let's ask the Lord to give us that kind of an attitude, that kind of a grace. Okay? Let's bow right now. And I just want you, you may think of somebody right now that you've had a conversation with. <laughs> Maybe you've had a run-in with somebody. 
Maybe you've had an argument with somebody and you realize that's not the way. Let's just ask the Lord to help us to be able to share with gentleness and with respect. Lord, thank you that we have something to share. Thank you that we have hope. And I just pray that, Lord, you give us a way to do that respectfully and, and gently because you're changing us. And so, Jesus, we want our community here to be able to say, nice to meet you. So, Lord, help us to live this way. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know some of you that are streaming and maybe some of those in the room, you're sitting here today and you're wondering about that hope that I talked about. And you're like, man, I just don't know how you can live with hope in, in this kind of a world, this kind of an environment. We'd love to tell you about that hope. And I promise we'll be respectful. <laughs> we'll be gentle. Because that's what he told us to do, right? But we want a conversation with you. And when we say you can text that word connect to 40777, what that means is that's just an open door for us to have a conversation. And in the room today, if you're honest and saying, you know what, I don't think I have that hope in me. Nobody's ever come up and said, man, why are you so hopeful? People have come up and said, why do you whine all the time? Why, what's your problem? Wouldn't it be great if they could say, wow, you're different. We'd love for you to know the difference. His name is Jesus. And quite honestly, it's the best thing we can tell you. He changed our life. And we would love that chance to have a conversation about him. So text us that. Even this morning when you're walking out, there'll be places on either side that you can stop and you can have a conversation and connections on either side as you leave. So next week, we go to a well and we meet a woman. All we know is she's called the woman at the well. And it's in a, it's in a place that Jesus, according to the disciples, should have never gone. It's in Samaria. And we're going to watch Jesus, who is a master at being gentle and respectful and loving people. Because when that conversation ended at the well, I promise you that woman said, nice to meet you. In fact, not only did the woman, she went and brought the whole town to meet Jesus. And there's some things we're going to learn about how to kind of set up that moment that's very simple. We're going to use the word share, okay? So I want to give you a head start. We have a QR code that's going to be on the screen. Now, QR code, for those of you that maybe aren't familiar, that's that code that you have to use your phone and the camera because even eating out today, most menus, you get to it through the QR code. You, you can't grab a menu and all. We're just, you know, in a COVID world. And so there are a lot of things we're doing. This is a great, great tool. So I want you to take your phone out right now, okay? Everybody get your phone. I'm going to get mine. And just go to the camera. QR code is up behind me. There it is. So what you're going to do is you're going to look like you're taking a picture of me. 
except you're going to raise it up just a little bit and you're going to get the QR code. And when you get that QR code, there's going to be obviously a directive at the top that sends you to the page that we want you to go to that uses the word share. Okay, so go ahead and grab it right now. It should recognize it. If you have trouble, we'll help you with it. I will not help you with it, but we have people that will help you with it. They're a lot smarter than I am, okay? Because this is going to be very helpful next week. When you come back next week, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, Woman at the Well, it's the first sermon I ever preached. I can remember the town in Arkansas. It was a little place called Kensett, Arkansas. And I went in there ready to tell them all about the woman at the well, and I told them everything I knew. The sermon lasted seven minutes. Don't get your hopes up. I've learned a little bit since then, so it may not be just seven minutes next week. But I promise you it's going to be a look at how Jesus gave us a beautiful example on how to share the hope that we have. And my prayer is, is that we're going to listen and we're going to follow that and it's going to make a difference. And we're going to hear those words from our neighbor, somebody we work with, somebody we know. They're going to look at us and go, you know what? Nice to meet you. God bless you. Go and let's let them know why we have hope. All right. God bless you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. See you next weekend. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.